The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hey, it's Jesse with another Thursday bonus episode. And I'm bringing you another thing that I've learned from hosting this show that has just really worked for me personally. I have recorded now more than 200 episodes, and so many of the ideas that come up on the show are things that I try myself. Sometimes they really don't work at all, but sometimes they really shift things for me. And so to commemorate the fourth anniversary of our show, all month, I'm going to bring you the strategies that have worked for me. Now, for this conversation, I want to take you back to March of 2018, long before I was at LinkedIn. I had to find enough job, but I wanted to grow. I was bored. I worked with really smart and inspiring people who I was lucky to call friends. But to what end? I was a writer for Wired, a magazine with Condé Nast. I helped steward a section of the magazine called Back Channel that was the long, really elegant magazine features. But the company seemed to have layoffs every year. I felt scared a lot. I just learned that my wife was pregnant and I didn't want to worry about layoffs all the time. And this wasn't a new feeling either. It had been years of this, years. I'd been working with a coach and she'd asked me to do this exercise. And I'll just tell you, I had no faith in that exercise at the time. She asked me to write out my dream job, the ideal description what my life would be in the years to come, and not to worry about whether I thought this job existed or the industry existed even, or certainly whether I deserved or was qualified for this job, but really just to write down every last thing I knew I wanted in it. So one morning early, I opened a fresh Google Doc, and I started. I opened that doc this morning for the first time in many years, And I discovered that I'd actually written down the job that I now have. Here, let me read the start of it to you. Title. Head of Technology and Humanity at a Very Influential Company. Description. I believe that we're not subjects to technology. We are the architects and the consumers. Now more than ever before, it's critical we make wise choices about how we develop that technology in service to our greater humanity. I will step into a growing, well-funded media company and carve out a new content area that addresses the intersection of tech and humanity. This is a leadership position in which I will steward a media brand that combines intimate event opportunities, podcasts, video, and writing to communicate a larger message in the spirit of Manoush Samarodi's Note to Self or Tristan Harris's work that empowers an audience to participate in the creation of the tools around them to influence the direction technology takes, and most important, to embrace the techno-optimistic viewpoint that we can choose to embrace the future in a way that puts us in deeper contact with ourselves and each other. Now, this job description goes on. It goes on and on, and it gets very specific. At one point I write, I will sell a book and I will be given time to write it. I get into salary requirements and time off. I specify that I'll be allowed to work remotely. And I end by writing, Through this media work, 
I will develop a community of empowered professionals who seek out each other's stories to feel realized. Listeners, that's you. I want to emphasize here that I did not think any of this was actually possible when I wrote it down. But here we are, all these years later, and this is my exact job description. Sure, it's not a media company, it's media at a tech company, but that's splitting hairs. This is the work that I do. Now, a couple years ago, Debbie Millman joined us for an episode in which she discussed the 10-year plan. And I was like, that, that is what I did. That's what I did, and it really worked for me. And in the years that have followed, I've asked people I care about to do the same. My sister did it after she got laid off, and now she's got a powerhouse job, and it's very flexible, too. My friend Susie did it. My wife did it. So I'm bringing it up here for you to consider. Here's an excerpt of my episode with Debbie Millman. The 10-year plan. The 10-year plan. I feel like our listeners need the 10-year plan, so I wonder if you can can describe it. Well, the 10-year plan is an exercise that I've borrowed from Milton Glaser, and it was something that I actually undertook back in 2005. And in 2005, I took a summer intensive with Milton Glaser at the School of Visual Arts, and it was really catered to mid-level professionals, people that were that, that were seasoned, um, but not so seasoned that they, they didn't need to be taught anything anymore. And um, I took it and it really changed my life. One of the exercises was to envision and write out how you could imagine your life to be five years into the future if you were doing exactly what you wanted to be doing, like every single thing from morning to night, you were instructed to write out every detail to make it as detailed as possible. He really urged us to put our whole hearts and souls into it, which I did. And we had to share them at the end of the of the intensive. And it was a moment of really declaring what you wanted your life to be in the future not only did I make write an essay, which I put my whole heart and soul into, I also then made a list. I, like I wanted it to be super clear. <laughs> These are the things that I want my life to be about in five years, to in 2010. And so they were big, audacious goals, things that yeah. I didn't really think were possible, but wanted with my whole heart. And lo and behold, over the years year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, things really started to manifest. They really started to manifest in momentum about seven years later. And then even most recently, now it's 15 years later, one of the one of the last remaining items on the list um, manifested. And so I decided, and, and Milton allowed me to do this when he stopped teaching, to incorporate this into my curriculum. But because my students were younger than the average age of Milton's classes, students in his classes, um, I decided to make it a 10-year plan also because I had lived through this process. I do (laughs) think that it takes time. I think anything worthwhile takes time and that given that it's now taken me 15 years to manifest all of them, 
that I want to give students a little bit more runway. And I am always astounded, like Milton, when I get emails from my students or I see them and they tell me things that have manifested in their lives. So I think there's something about envisioning and declaring what you want that is indeed very, very powerful. I mean, I do think it's a little bit of magic too, but I do think it's mostly about articulating and declaring what you feel you're worthy of being able to achieve. I love this, Debbie. And and I will confess, I have done this exercise. I, oh, I did good. this exercise with a career coach about, about five years ago, actually. And, and there's a reason why I asked you to describe this in connection with courage. Because first of all, I think that the real courage to do anything that we might want to do is to take that first step to envision it. And at least when I did the exercise, I don't know if it was like this for you or for your students. My first pass was kind of bland. It was it was moderated by what I thought that I could probably do. So you know what I want to do? I mm. want to write a book. Well, yeah. I'm going to dial that back. I want, I want to write an article. Like, make, <laughs> right. I want to write an article, right? Yeah. And And it took a lot of pushing and a lot of discomfort to get to the point where I put aside everything I thought that I was capable of, listened to my internal compass and just wrote down every single thing that I wanted, even if I didn't think that it existed right away. Right. And then that second part happened, which you called magic. I'm going to call it magic too. And maybe it's magic that we ourselves create. But when you actually get it all down on paper, it kind of happens. Yeah. I don't exactly know how it happens. It seems to happen for a lot of people. I I put so much energy into the first go-round that I didn't need to rewrite it, but I allow my students to rewrite it if they feel once they've heard others that they haven't really reached for everything that they wanted to rewrite it. And I would say a good number actually end up doing that. I ended up redoing the exercise in 2017. I rewrote the essay to address the current times in the next stage of my life. I had decided that I wanted to do it in 2017. And literally I did it on December 31st, 2017. Like I wouldn't make any New Year's Eve plans that year <laughs> because I had had this goal, I hadn't achieved it, and I needed to sit down and get it done. And I did. And I also put some very audacious goals in that and a few of them have manifested. So yeah, it's there's something really wonderful about it. When when I did the episode with Tim, one of his listeners went and transcribed the way I described the instructions and created a website called yourtenyearplan.com and and it's there for anybody that wants to follow the instructions. That's pretty rad. <laughs> I know I was so I was so <laughs> really excited cool. about it. I'm like, "Wow, look what somebody did." I would encourage anyone to do this exercise, regardless of how satisfied you feel right now with what you're doing, because we cannot begin to embody what we cannot imagine. So the first step to having the job and the life that you want is really to dream it up. That website that Debbie mentioned is still there, www.yourtenyearplan.com. And our entire episode with Debbie is in the archives. So go back and listen. As I said, I wrote my job description in March of 2018. LinkedIn approached me about coming to start Hello Monday in September of that same year. 
and I dropped everything and joined. It was a shift of industry, but intuitively, I knew it was the right thing to do. I didn't even really ask anyone for advice. Maybe it's because I recognized how closely it lined up with my plan. Next week, I'll bring you another thing that I have learned from hosting this show. In the meantime, if there are things you've learned that have worked, send them my way. Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to hellomonday at linkedin.com. We'll share some of your learnings with listeners. Thanks to everyone who helped make this bonus episode. Talk to you on Monday. Monday.